Good morning. Everybody here? Good. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank each and every for being here this morning. I know uh, uh, some of the denominations had closed it down for uh, service of worship and all for a couple of weeks and different things, but I'm glad and you know it shows a lot that we put our faith in all in God. I like the song that Brother Mike picked out, Lean on the Everlasting Arm. <clears throat> the last verse tells us, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Then God said, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the uh, everlasting uh, arms of Jesus. It shows you right here one of the benefits that us as Christians, we have. We have a peace of mind in knowing that we have a Heavenly Father that's looking out for. We have a Heavenly Father that we can go to and when we when we have problems and need and all. But look at all of them that don't believe in Jesus. It's not uh, children of God. They have no hope. So I commend each and every one, especially bringing children. I know I started talking last weekend, uh, Zachariah. But I come across a little article by uh, my brother uh, Brent Kirchfield, and it, it just it kind of caught my eye. It was on Habakkuk, and uh, he's uh, I think West Palm Beach or Church of Christ. But uh, I'm in that area a good bit, so I'm gonna try and meet up with this young man because or older man, whoever he is, because I'm interested. I was interested. And what he had to say in his articles and all. Well, he talked about <clears throat> Habakkuk. It got me thinking. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses, the first four verses. That's going to be my text this morning. When I got looking at Habakkuk and all, we don't know much about the prophet Habakkuk. We're not especially told the time of his prophecy. What makes this prophecy unique is that Habakkuk is not preaching to the people of the oracles of God, but rather his book records a dialogue between God and the prophet Habakkuk. Now based on his complaints and his response from God, it's likely that Habakkuk is having the same dialogue with God, I believe it's around uh, 609 B.C. <clears throat> We see here in Habakkuk chapter 1, the first four verses. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou shalt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and call me to behold grievous? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that that raised up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doeth never go forth. For the wicked doeth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. We see in here that under King Josiah, the nation of Judah had undertaken many moral reforms. Under Josiah's rule, he purged the nation of the altars of the false god. We see in 1 Chronicles. Chapter 34, verses 1 through 7. That the book of the law is found. Josiah restores the Passover celebration. Psychic Kings 22, 8, and 20. Also, Psychic Kings 23, 21, and 27. 
Now, as, as uh, King Josiah, being a young king and all, but he had a, had a, a had his mind in the right places and was was doing his ruling right. However, it goes on to tell us that Josiah dies in battle against Necho, the king of Egypt, in 609 B.C. Now, upon Josiah's death, all the reforms of the nation are erased, and the subsequent the king's father commit evil in the Lord's sight. Now, with the death of Josiah and the wickedness on the rise, Habakkuk receives his prophecy. And he engages in a dialogue, so to speak, with the Lord. It is with the loss of the king who was reforming the nation and the decline of the morality of the nation that Habakkuk engages in the Lord. And I see a, a lot of things similar with the Habakkuk with Christians today. For example, the questions of God. Now notice that the two questions are centered on how long and why? That's probably one of the popular questions about anything today. How long shall I cry for help? You were not here. How long shall I cry to you violence and you were not saved? Then Habakkuk goes to the why questions. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Now Habakkuk have, have been praying for his people and for the morality of the nation, but it seems that nothing is happening. Now don't forget now that these are supposed to be the people of God. <clears throat> this is not a worldly Gentile nation, yet they're acting like it. These people are supposed to be the holy people of God that are filled with the violence and sins and injustice. Habakkuk says that all that he sees is destruction, violence, strife, and contention. There is no justice. The law is paralyzed. The righteous are surrounded by the wicked. Everything is basically perverted. Habakkuk's cry is simply, what is going on around here? How long are you going to continue to let us go on, Lord? Why is nothing being done? God, how can you idly sit by and let these things happen? We ask now, who's Habakkuk think he is talking to the Lord, asking the Lord questions like this? But then when I got reading the article here, I got to thinking, he's just being honest. He's being honest with God. And myself, I'd rather somebody be honest and tell me something I don't want to hear if it's true. If it's their true feeling, than telling me something that I want, they think I want to hear that's not the truth. Because the only way we can change and make things right, the only way we can investigate and make sure things are doing right is if everybody's honest. It kind of goes along with some of the remarks that our Brother Reggie made this morning. What a wonderful class. I invite everybody to come to the first hour. Is that uh, with this epidemic or going on with the coronavirus and all. Just imagine what this morning's church building would look like if everybody had the same fear of the fire and brimstone as hell as they do of this virus. Church buildings would be packed. And instead of all the toilet papers being sold off the shelves and all, all the Lord's Word, all the Holy Bibles would be sold. They just got their responsibilities in the wrong places and they're thinking of the wrong things. But anyway, <clears throat> Habakkuk's just being honest with God. 
And I want us to be honest with ourselves. Don't answer it out, but be honest. Have you ever asked those very same questions? I think all of us probably have it one way or another, sometime or another, have encountered the how long and the why. Why am I going through this? How many times maybe we thought about, Lord, I'm trying to do the best that I can. Why, is I, why am I having to go through this? I'm not that bad of a person, am I? Why am I having to do this? How long am I going to have to suffer doing this right here? When you look at all those criminals out there and all those people out there that are doing what they want to, they seem to be driving nice cars, living a nice house. They have it going on, Lord. What, what's going on here? I've had some of these questions. It's the only way that we're going to be a better and stronger person is to go through them and see when we get to the end of our... We might not have all we want in the world, but I can promise you, God's going to supply all we need. If we put our confidence and our faith in Him. But instead, these how long and why questions at some point in our discipleship journey. Now something happens that causes us to wonder what God is doing. What are we experiencing? Or well, witnesses does not correspond with the uh, righteousness of God. We want to know why is this happening? We want to know why God is tolerating so much wrongdoing in the world. Habakkuk is not the only godly person to ask these questions of God. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and from the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Revelations chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And then we go down to Psalms, Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2, where it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 13, 1 and 2. And then we go back to a lesson, a last Lord's Day, Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you have been angry these 70 years? Zechariah 1 and 12. So see, it's not only Habakkuk that's asking questions, how long and why question. We learn that true faith often finds itself perplexed at God. The faithful do not know all the answers. Spiritual beings do not have all the answers. Being a follower of Jesus does not mean that we will never have questions or that we will always understand everything because we won't. But God has given us enough of his word. He's given us our intelligence enough to know what we need to do and what we must not do to keep our souls and our hearts and everything focused in the right places. We must not think that there is something wrong or that we are thinking inappropriately when we have these kind of questions for God. Job, Job reflects the same questions to God in Job chapter 21, verses 7 through 4, uh, 34. 
Job said the same words of Habakkuk about his own situation rather than the evil around him. We see in Job 19 and 7, said, Behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I, cry, I call for help, but there is no justice. Now to Habakkuk, it feels like God is not listening and that God is doing nothing. We have to sit back and wait on God. We have to be honest with God. Habakkuk shows us that we can have an honest conversation with God. God can handle our raw emotions, our raw thoughts. It's okay to ask God what is going on. It's appropriate to turn to God in prayer and tell Him that we do not understand. There are many events in my life that I could easily say, I don't understand what's happening. But there is an important aspect of Habakkuk's faith that we must not overlook. Habakkuk talks to God about these things. That's the same thing that we need to do today. That I tell people constantly and, and, and daring that when we have these problems, we need to go to the proper authority on them. And our property authority with our spiritual life is God. We don't need to jump on Facebook and say, hey, you know, this right here is going on and I don't know why God's allowing me to do this right here. We need to get on in our hands and knees. We need to pray and talk to God honestly and openly. We don't need to get discouraged and turn our back on God. We notice here that Habakkuk does not leave God and turn away from God. <clears throat> but rather than giving up on God, he talks to God. Tell him what you're experiencing. Tell him the pain that you have. Tell God how you are, are perplexed. And consider the many signs of David and other writers who speaks to God with such raw emotions. Now listen to the words of Psalms uh, 38. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your errors have pierced me. Your hands have come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low all day long. I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie upon open before you. My sight, sighing is not hidden from you. Psalm 38, 1 through 9. <clears throat> Honesty with God is very important in developing our faith. We are not going to grow in our faith and the Lord if we're not honest with our faith and our thoughts before the Lord. Do not expect to be able to understand or explain the minds or the actions of God. These are the things that happen in life that we're not going to understand that we must take to God in prayer. And then we see the necessity of prayer. We may not fully understand the function of prayer. Too often we think of prayer as merely a a lot of people think of prayer as just a request line from God. Well, he said, ask and it shall be given. So they think of it as a request line to God. We ask him for stuff or things that happen and then wait for it to happen. By the way, there, this is it's a false view of prayer. 
God does not answer our request simply because we ask. Habakkuk has been praying to God but has not received the answer he was looking for from God. We can have a false expectation of prayer that I often, that I offer a prayer to God and compelled to response. Rather than thinking of prayer as a request line, we need to see prayer as a dialogue, a communication, a relationship with God. When it says, asking you receive, that don't mean I can pray and ask for a nice fishing boat and the Lord's going to give it to me. That don't mean I can pray and ask for a nice uh, car or a high-paying job and the Lord's going to give it to me just because I asked for it. We need to think of this as a relationship with God. Letting God this, know this is what I need. But when we pray, we should always, but thy will be done. We have times of doubt. Prayer is the best solution when we have doubt. When we do not understand, the most useful tool we have is prayer. The scriptures are not going to give us answers as to, wow, how long we are in this specific trial or stumbling block or tribulation in life. However, prayer is the tool to communicate with God about what is happening. We can express our, our, our desires. We can express our flexibility. We can ask our questions to God and then wait for God to respond. Now these moments of perplexity and questions are opportunities to draw us closer to God. In these times we become aware that we are not all powerful. We are not all knowing and we are not in control. We are put back into our place and made realize how small we truly are. And we need to reply, uh, rely upon the great creator, our heavenly father, when we spend time. And you know, when you go out into the mountains, I'm sure most of us have been to the mountains and all. And we look at over the vastness and the heights of these amazing mountains. We go to the, to the oceans and the beaches and fishing and whatever, and we see just how wide and how open these uh, oceans and all are. I'm sure we didn't stand back and think, well, how great and powerful I am. Probably just quietly stand back, soak in the scenic view of it, and admire their beauties, and realize how powerful and great our Heavenly Father, our Creator is. We do not go through the hurricanes thinking how great we are, but rather how small we are, how great our dependence upon God is. Difficult times such as we're experiencing now with this coronavirus scare had the same impact on our lives. <clears throat> we stopped seeing ourselves as something great and turned to the one who is truly great, our Heavenly Father. We cannot approach God or begin to understand God until we take in these moments of smallness and turn to God in complete dependence. Habakkuk is not taking matters into his own hands. He is praying to the Almighty God, asking God to act. And then we see the false reasons of faith. <clears throat> this one kind of got me interested. It says, it's important to notice that Habakkuk's faith is not everything happens for a reason. How many times have we heard that? Or maybe said that? Don't worry about everything happens for a reason. This is the common uh, mantra of Christian faith today. When people do not understand what is happening, 
People who claim to be Christians often assert that everything happens for a reason. This is not the viewpoint of Habakkuk. Habakkuk does not soothe or comfort his concerns and festivities by thinking that everything happens for a reason, so I'm just going to go on with life. Habakkuk sees these events in opposite terms. Habakkuk is asserting that there is no reason for these things to be happening. There is no reason for the violence and destruction. That is because God can do something about it. This is an important view, uh, point as we go through our study of Habakkuk. The answer is not that everything happens for a reason. That's just not the answer. But with all this in mind, and if we go through the, our daily lives and all, we're going to have problems. We're going to have fears. We're going to have trials and tribulations and stumbling blocks. That's when the devil's going to be smiling because he knows his work's going to be easy on a lot. Because some people are going to say, you know, I've tried to be good. I go to church. I read God's word, and here I am. This virus is affecting me. So undoubtedly, God don't love me. Is that what Job said? Not hardly. We need to have that same attitude that Job had. We need to have the same relationship with God that Habakkuk had. He didn't go complaining about it. He went straight to God. Even though God knows our, our, he knows our wants, our desires. He knows what we're thinking. But it's just like our children, our grandchildren. We know what they want, what they need. But don't it make you feel good when they come and ask you or let you know, hey. But when we pray and ask God, how many times do we pray and thank God? How many times do we thank God for the very air that we breathe? In closing this morning, with all this, I want us to think about as we go throughout the week, the one thing that we need to do, we learn from Habakkuk, well, of course, go to God in prayer. But the main thing that kind of similar to everything is turn to God. If you're scared of something, turn to God. If you're worried about something, turn to God. The answer is turn to God. Habakkuk teaches us not to come up with false reasons that soothe or comfort our spirits temporarily, but to turn to God. Understand that God is the one in charge. God is the one ruling our lives. Understand that God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful. Never forget that God cares about you and has shown that he cares about you. We just talked about in our service, the Lord's Supper, in the cross, when he allowed his son to give his life on the cross for us. I can't imagine how hard that would be to stand there and watch as your son is mistreated and crucified for no wrongdoings. That showed a lot of love. Understand that God loves each and every one of us that much. The cross is a perpetual reminder of how much God loves us. It is so easy to forget when life doesn't make sense that God has done everything to provide for his love for us that we would should remain faithful to him. God is not trying to destroy us. God is not trying to personally punish us for our sins. God is not shooting his lightning bolts of wrath upon us. God is not slapping us uh, with a payback for our arrows. 
our diseases and syndromes and uh, trials and tribulation and the heartache are not because God is trying to extract some kind of revenge on us. Whatever happens to us, the cross remains the firm fixture I hold on to the knowledge that God loves each and every one of his children. God loves his children more than we do. God loves your family more than you do. When suffering and when life does not make sense, look to the cross as the eternal uh, monument of God's love and mercy for each and every one of us. Life does not always make sense. God does not promise to give us the answers to every question that we have. God has given us the cross as the answer of his love in spite of life's problems and tribulations. So my question to you this morning, if you need to draw closer to God, if you need to be baptized, become a child of God, maybe you've already been baptized, but you have stepped out of his way. You need the prayers, the encouragements of the congregation to come back unto the Lord. I ask you to do so, whatever your need may be, as we stand and sing our song of invitation.